Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My friend and colleague is Bruce Aldrich, and today our guest is Valerie Ann Koviak. Uh, Valerie and I met um, at a meetup group uh, several months ago, and we had a nice conversation uh, after getting some expertise in, in the WordPress world in Sacramento. And uh, Valerie was nice enough to contact me, oh, a few weeks ago that um, she and her partner, uh, husband bought a new uh, Hyundai Santa Fe, and she let me know that we had talked about that, and they drove it, and they liked it, and um, they thanked me for my recommendation, which was really nice of them. But uh, more importantly is that uh, Valerie, in her world, um, does great things with a wonderful uh, app called appmyhome.com. And on that website, um, you guys just do everything in the wonderful world of how it, uh, technology relates to your home. And the video that you guys did on YouTube about the navigation system and other things in the Honda Santa Fe was very impressive. So that gets us to today, and we reciprocating each other's uh, expertise. And so you're our guest today to talk about all the things that in the technology world with in your website that relate to the automobile, which is almost everything these days. So the long way of saying welcome to our show, and it's great to have you as a guest. Oh, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Valerie, can you take us through a, a kind of a general overview of the site and how it began for the two of you and what uh, what the mission statement is, if you will, of, of At My Home. Sure, sure. So my husband and I started At My Home uh, in 2013, and we're both techies. We both work at, we worked at Intel, and so we obviously love technology, and we were playing around with all these smart home gadgets. And my husband, Mark, he just kept bringing home all these different things to play with. First, it was smart light bulbs, and then it was a smart garage door opener, and then... Uh, and he just, um, he would hook them up and he would, uh, you know, put the app on his phone and put the app on my phone. And then he would tell everybody about it. Oh, I got this great smart light bulb. Let me show you how I can turn it on and off from my phone. And uh, so after all of this, all this expense at the Apple store and a lot of stories, yes. I said to him, I said, hey, I said, uh, hey, you know, um, maybe we should start a blog. And then instead of me hearing the same story 50 times when you tell all of our friends and <laughs> Typical show husband wife. open the garage door. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I so, said, you know, maybe we should start a blog. And, you know, I wanted to learn how to do blogs and uh, learn how to do social media better. And you know, I gave, uh, you know, at first my feeling was I was going to give Mark a platform to, to, to talk about all this with everybody. So we started on Twitter and Facebook and, you know, we called it Apps My Home uh, because at the time everybody was using uh, apps on their phone to control everything. So that was really the only way you could control things in your house. You download an app and then all of a sudden you change the light bulb color from red to green to blue or you can open and close your garage door. You can lock and unlock the door. So that's how we got started. So it started off as fun, uh, kind of, you know, we would we would put some things on there. We got we got the very first video doorbell that uh, one of the very first ones that came out called the Sky Bell. And Mark would write little pieces. He would basically email them to the WordPress site, and we'd put them up there. And after you know, maybe ten or so of those little blogs, I said, hey, you know, 
um, how about you install the technology and I'll do the writing and maybe that'll work out a little better. Yes. Uh, so, so, uh, you know, I have a background in journalism and, uh, I was a product manager and a software engineering manager, but I wasn't getting a lot of opportunity to write. So it was a great uh, partnership for both of us. I could do some writing and he could, he could, uh, tinker with the electronics in the house and, our first goal was it was a hobby, and I thought, you know, maybe if we get some free stuff out of this, it will help us pay for the website hosting, sure. and uh, we won't be spending $60 on a light bulb at Apple Store all the time. So that's kind of how we got started. Um, you know, back in 2013, the smart home technology market was different. Uh, I, I would say it's still not mature, but uh, it's evolved a lot over the years, and we've had a lot of fun we go to the consumer electronics show every year and look at all the new gadgets and write about it and shoot videos. And, and we're, you know, we're at the point in our, in our website where uh, companies really enjoy working with us and we have no problem getting free gadgets to test. Uh, so, you know, that keeps us really busy and uh, kind of uh, <laughs> achieves my first goal of getting the free stuff. Um, but, you know, we really like it because we, you know, we're both technology people. We like working with the new technology. We like especially working with the small companies that are really trying to make a difference. And our policy is, is that, you know, if you send us a product and we test it, um, we know we keep it in our house and we'll do a video or a story. But if we don't like it and we don't think it works very well, we're not going to do a negative story with just not our it's not in our personality and it's not uh, what we'd like to do. We think everyone's really trying hard to make these products work and we don't see the point of doing a negative review. So in that case, we would just send the product back. And that's happened a couple of times, not very often. Most of these products now are, are really good and, and they, we can always find something good to say about them, even if it's not the exact thing we would recommend. Yeah, I would say similar, similar to that, uh, in the automotive world is, is people sometimes will ask, Bruce is an, more of an expert in automobiles than I am, but they'll ask, you know, what kind of car uh, should what would you consider? And and I would say uh, something along the lines, well, every car's got something good to offer, and, and I'm not in, of the mindset to rip uh, cars either because they're all, in my opinion, they're all pretty good. They're just degrees of better than, you know, some are better than others. But, yeah, I... I, I uh, understand and agree with your point is that there's something, you know, why why be a doom and gloomer? There's something positive, um, or there's some balance. If if there's a fault or a weakness in the product that you review, that's okay. But there's no reason to go after stuff um, on purpose like that. But so in uh, take moving forwards, you've had the site for almost a decade now, uh, and uh, I'm not asking specifically, but. It's turned in. It sounds like it's turned into a, a good a good business for the two of you. You have Amazon affiliate. You have other relationships. And um, how are the two of you finding the the business world of of owning a website? Is it um, something that you could work twenty four seven and still work on it, or do you have you found some balance that you know we're we're turning off the laptops now? It's it's time to do something else. Well, you know, I think that. Uh, we're in a, a situation in our lives where we you know we can drive how how much we want to work or not. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, we both retired from Intel. Uh, Mark did it in 2016, and I left in 2018. Mm -hmm. And we just, we, you know, we we um, we're able to make some some money from the Amazon affiliates. Uh, affiliate marketing is, is challenging. Yes. As probably everybody knows. Um, but, you know, so we're make, we're able to make some money and we're able, especially with YouTube, everything is going to YouTube nowadays. So we're really focusing on getting more videos onto YouTube because we get a lot more traction out of that. 
so it's going well for us and and it's it's business it, uh, we love to travel and so it gives us the opportunity to do it from wherever we are and the nice thing about traveling is that you know, when you have smart home technology you can keep an eye on your house while you're away so that makes it a nice <laughs> that's really good yes a nice benefit right so you know it's it's uh and, and we drive how much we want to work or not so uh, it gives us a really good excuse to go and see new technology and meet new technology companies, and, and that's what keeps us enthused. That's great. Valerie, when you're driving, um, are you really into the new car? Manufacturers all want to do connectivity in the car. Is that something that you're really enjoying? Do you like that? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, the um, uh, we were following... Uh, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto for years. And uh, when my husband bought his Ford Escape in 2017, he had been, he, he had a really old Ford Escape from t- 2006. And he had actually considered upgrading the head unit with, uh, with one of the, um, the third party uh, uh, upgrades. Like I think Pioneer makes a third party upgrade. And he had been looking at that for years because he really wanted the Apple CarPlay in the car. And the technology in the cars, it's gotten a lot better, but, you know, a lot of the things in general you're stuck with in the old model where your navigation system has to be upgraded with CDs, right? And it's always by the time you buy the CDs, it's two years old. And we were thinking, well, why can't we just use our car maps (laughs) from our phone, right? Why can't we just use Google Maps or Apple Maps? So, you know, he really wanted that Apple CarPlay and he followed it closely for years. And when it finally hit the Ford Escape in 2017, we were calling all the Ford dealers in the area saying, when are you getting the 2017 Escape? Because (laughs) we want CarPlay. And uh, so, you know, we were one of the first ones in the area, I think, to get that um, 2017 Ford Escape just because we wanted to upgrade in the technology. I was going to ask you the difference between the built-in nav systems versus the CarPlay Android um, application for maps. Uh, so you're a fan of the the ones on the phone, apparently. Oh, yeah, definitely a fan of the ones on the phone. And, you know, I, I also, uh, when I was working at Intel, I was working with the automotive industry, and I can see the challenges, right, because they all want to control the user experience in the car and give it its own branded experience. It, you know, they want you to have a Toyota experience or a, a Ford experience or, a, you know, an Audi experience. They don't want you to have an Apple experience or an Android experience. <laughs> That's right. So, we, we were talking to a, right? to a Garmin uh, um, rep. He was saying the same thing. They call them white label when they sell them to a manufacturer, and the manufacturer do the, have their own tweaks they want them because they want that experience, yeah, just mean, like you say, you know, Audi or Honda or whatever. What's the what's the future of what's the future of connectivity? What what would you like to see in a car that's not uh, they're not you working know, on right now? Well, you know that uh, that's a really good point. I would like to see more of a seamless integration between you know if I've got Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, I would like to see more of a seamless integration with the car itself because uh, you know I drove a lot of cars when I was looking for my Hyundai. And almost all of them have their own experience. And then when you plug in your phone, it becomes a different experience. And there's not much connection between the two. So there are some really great features in the Hyundai. I have to use their in-car navigation to access. Like the heads-up display will tell me the next turn if I'm using their navigation. But if I've got the CarPlay in there, it won't. So, you know, there are still some limitations. 
Um, I did see at CES actually that uh, Amazon Alexa is working with. Um, hold on, I have to make sure my Alexa doesn't talk to me <laughs> uh, to put it on mute. Um, the Amazon Alexa is working with GM, and they're making they're taking over the whole car experience, where the navigation and everything is all integrated with Alexa, and there's no at least it doesn't appear to be, there's no kind of handshake between the two or no need to go back and forth. So you can, you know, talk to Alexa and say, open my garage door or Alexa, where you add this to my shopping list. And oh, by the way, where's the next, you know, where's the closest Safeway? Uh, you know, so that kind of um, integration inside the car where you don't have to think about or switch manually to, to the experience you're used to and you're just using one experience in the car. I think that will be really fantastic. What else do they need to add to the head-up display units? You know, they have navigational things. They have the speed, the, the posted speed. Um, what else do they have? A few things, but not a lot. Would you like to see more up there on the – out there in front you? know, of it's interesting. With the, with the Hyundai, um, you know, one of the reasons I really liked it is it had a lot of customization available on that heads-up display. Um, and so I can see the next turn. I can see the posted speed limit. I can see if there's a car in my blind spot. And I have kind of all of that turned on. Um, but sometimes it's distracting, like especially the blind spot uh, notification it scares me sometimes. Mm. <laughs> but it's fine sure. if it just sure. looks at me and I can see it in the mirror. It's almost too much. So um, I'm not sh- I can't think of another thing I'd want on there today, <laughs> um, but maybe maybe there is something. I can also it'll also tell me like what the radio is tuned to. It's got a lot of information on there. Where I drove the uh, Acura and it didn't have quite as much. Um, it just was pretty much the basics, uh, the speed limit, and uh, probably would do the turns as well. That's uh, speaking of the Santa Fe. That's it's uh, nice that we had that communication at the at the meetup and. It, it's a little self-serving here, but I'm, uh, I was appreciative of your letting me know that you bought the car. And but what I really noticed about your video was how natural you are uh, and the editing process. You, you took um, the YouTube uh, watchers through, I don't know, maybe a dozen different items. But the way that you did it was you're, it, you just seem to be very comfortable in front of the camera as opposed to when we did car videos i was always called the robot because i wasn't very, <laughs> very natural robotic, very yes. robotic did, <laughs> did you have some valerie did you have some background um in front of the camera before and and what's that experience been like when you've made all these videos and you you take people through a variety of things what is that experience like and, and um how did you get so good at it oh well yeah. thank you very much That's sure a great compliment Oh, it's funny because, you know, I worked in marketing at Intel for a long time. I was, I was there for 18 years and I did all kinds of videos throughout my career. And obviously video production has changed a lot over the years before the iPhone. Right. Um, but we used to, I mean, I remember I paid two, I paid almost $150,000 to get a video done. Well, my gosh. Uh, and that Holy wasn't smokes. that, you know, and that wasn't that long ago, right? Yes, you know, yes. by the time you hire a professional crew and, and I'm sure that uh, I worked on videos that cost more than that. Um, you know, by the time you hire a professional crew, and I remember some of the uh, the partners we used, the vendors we used, they used film instead of uh, digital. Yes. You know, so it <laughs> film. Was, it okay. Really what's what's expensive. that? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> I know, crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. But the what's funny about it is that you know you have this corporate mindset of I'm going to hire an agency and they're gonna you know sit down with me and figure out what you want to do and all that and you pay a lot for that, for that service and for that quality. Right. 
But now in the YouTube world, I, I, it feels like those kind of videos are almost um, dismissed, especially if you're trying to do something like how to or smart home or, you know, how do you fix uh, your sprinkler system or things like that. Nobody wants to watch these super polished videos that come from the companies. No. They want to watch real people who have yes. the product and can show you how, you know, what's good and what's bad about it. And so I think that the adjustment for Mark and I, after all this time in the corporate world, to doing a YouTube video uh, has been an adjustment. I think we've learned a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, and one of the things that my husband pushed me to do is he said, you know, I'm so boring on the video. You need to get on there. So he's really pushed me to get on there. And we, we also try to do it together as much as we can because, there's a perception that uh, smart home technology is so difficult to use and that, you know, people can't figure it out. And in some of the the blogs and things we follow, there's something called the WAF or wife acceptance factor, right? (laughs) (laughs) Of these these bloggers uh, and YouTubers, they talk about the technology they installed and does it have a high WAF. And it's like, for me, it's like, if the stuff doesn't work in the house, I'm not going to use it. And if it doesn't work and you can't figure it out, there's, it's, it's just dumb. There's no need for me to have a special education to be able to unlock my door, open the garage door, right? <laughs> I, so, I agree. I agree. I, I uh, get most of my techie stuff, you know, like you mentioned, light bulbs and door locks and stuff. I get it at Costco. And if it doesn't hook right up, take it back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. Right. And that's the way it should be. Right. It shouldn't have to be this big, mysterious thing that only some people can figure out. And and some people love that and it works for them. And they, you know, they want to go to that extent to set things up um, and they can only control it. That's great. You know, have have at it. But our perspective is we want to talk about smart home technology for normal people uh, that everybody can figure out how to use. And I think uh, having both of us on there, uh, you know, husband and wife, both able to talk about the technology, hopefully in a way that relates to people. That's really our goal. Now, one of the new things is the car apps, right? Like uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. the, the Hyundai Blue Link. That's their yeah. na- name for it. But you can actually, I guess you can adjust the temperature. You can turn the motor on and off, lock the car, find yeah, out where it's fantastic. parked. What else does it do? Oh, it's really great. I mean, you can also get um, you can get your driving statistics. So you can see a report like um, I haven't spent that much time investigating it, but you can get the you can see obviously your mileage, right? But you can also get statistics on like are you braking a lot, <laughs> um, you know, and uh, and how the car is operating. So you can get those kind of statistics. Um, you can also set uh, like a perimeter for the car. So if you take your car and uh, to a valet, you can set, you can set a valet perimeter so that if the car goes beyond a certain radius of wherever you are, it'll send you a notification. So it's really got a lot of really interesting, great features. Also has, you know, simple things like a parking timer. So if you're in a, if, if you're at a parking meter, you can set the timer on your app and it will tell you exactly when your parking meters expired. And that's very simple technology. It's just a timer. But, you know, the fact that they thought of that and they made it so accessible right within their app, I think it's really great. So that's something that's, this is really a new thing. That I can see this is good. It's all, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it's great. You know, so my husband's car, the Ford uh, Escape, the 2017, it also has a Ford app that goes with it. It's called Ford Pass. And the Hyundai has a lot of those similar features. 
Um, but one of the things that the ForthPass app has that we really like is that you can connect it to your Amazon Alexa inside your house and you can how much gas you have left in the car. Oh. So if you're if wow. you're home and you're thinking, geez, do I have to go to the gas station before we go out today? You can just say, hey, Alexa, ask ForthPass how much gas I have and it'll tell you exactly how many miles you have left on the tank. That's great. So it's that fantastic. Yeah. The other, the it's other... really great, but... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that a little side note to that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was just leaving our home in Sacramento, and I was into West Sacramento. I'd only driven about four or five miles. It was nine o'clock in the morning, and I got the the wonderful techie feature where the cup of coffee comes on and tells you, you know, time to take a break. You're getting tired. <laughs> I just started <laughs> in my drive. So sometimes there's a little backfire. They they don't work as well as they should, or maybe I was nervous. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe the cup of coffee I had earlier that day had made my hands jitter on the wheel or something. I'm like, but I just laughed the whole way home. I was, I'm just starting and I got to take a break already. It didn't make any didn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, going, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Going back to the to the Santa Fe, um, uh, outside of the technology uh, and and laying it on a little bit heavy, I I was I'm surprised every time I drive a Hyundai that the gas mileage estimates seem to be understated. And I don't know if you guys have experienced that um, driving the car to LA and back a couple of times, the the Santa Fe and the Santa Fe Sport, the mileage was better than estimated. Have you guys experienced that? Away from the technology Oh, yeah, world. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because that was one of the, you know, I really wanted, uh, honestly, either a hybrid or a electric or a plug-in electric kind of SUV. Yes. That was something that I was looking for. So that was something I was a little disappointed about with the Hyundai, that it seemed to have kind of chintzy mileage. Um, and so I was disappointed about that, but I was really pleasantly surprised because we've done a couple trips now to LA and back, which frankly is unusual because normally I don't drive that much, yes. um, but love the car. Right. And I was really impressed with the mileage. It's definitely better than I expected. I think one of the trips that said we got like 31 miles to the gallon. The other one was a little higher than that. Yes. So I've been really impressed. And even going over the hill to Tahoe, it's getting pretty good mileage. So it's definitely getting better than what they, I think they, I forgot exactly what they advertised, but I want to say it was more like 22 to 25, something like that. Yes. Well, and maybe, I've been really pleased with the mileage yes, that I, we're getting. Yes, I, I think the same way, too. Uh, it, with the, Going back to the videos, uh, what, what dawned on me is what kind of reaction, in, uh, does one or, do one or two videos come to mind that, that uh, you thought might get a large reaction and didn't, or vice versa, where it was not just another video, but something that you did and it was fine and, and the, the reaction was surprising. Have you had extremes at all? You know, um, we've been doing the videos pretty seriously for a couple of years, but I think the, the one that surprised me the most is probably one of the very first product videos we did. Yes. I got a, uh, I got a smart Vitamix for Christmas <laughs> one year. And uh, it came with a, it comes with a scale that you can connect to the Vitamix and you follow a recipe. It tells you exactly what to put in and you can make something out of it. And so what are the, I wanted to use it for smoothies. So I decided to make a smoothie one day and Mark said, Hey, let's shoot this. This will be fun. So we did a, we did a video and I did it in one take (laughs) and it was, it was effortless. 
And, uh, you know, and I, this is a time where I kept saying, I don't want to be on the video or you do it. Yes, um, yes. but it was, it was easy and it was fun and it was just effortless. And, uh, and that's gotten, that's, you know, it's one of our most popular videos. And I think I did it one take. It probably took us a total of an hour <laughs> to edit and post up on YouTube. So that was a really nice surprise. That's great. Good example. Yes. I think, yeah, it, it falls into other categories of whether, you know, um, if you're training for a marathon or something and you don't have any expectations, you sometimes you run your best time or in other walks of life, you're just not thinking about it too much. You just do it and it comes out great. And like you said, you got a lot of, a lot of uh, views on that one. Sometimes you prep and, um, it, it kind of backfires cause you're, you're, you're worried about it too much maybe. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's best when you know, it's, it's the videos are best when we really have natural enthusiasm for the product and we really enjoy using it. And I think that comes out on the video and for both of us. And Mark just did a video yesterday about a, a automatic water shutoff that we put on our recycled water in our development. And it was really easy to install, super easy to use. And they had some really nice touches in the box. And that video for him, it took him so, it, it you know, it took him a half a day to do it uh, between installing the product and then editing the video himself. And that naturally just comes out on the video because it's a really well-designed, well-built product, and it was easy to install, and that comes through. And those videos are the easiest ones to do. That's great. Valerie, it seems like an easy video for you and Mark to do would be a particular car that has over-the-air connectivity, a large touchscreen. You like touchscreens, I understand. Oh, yeah. And it's electric. (laughs) And the name is Tesla. What, <laughs> what, what, what's your aversion yes. to them? Is it the price point or other things? Well, you know, it's funny because um, I have a really good friend, uh, Bonnie Norman, who has, uh, she, I think she's got two or three Teslas. I can't keep track. because She's got a, a Roadster and she's got a Model X, I think, and a Model 3. And she's a real advocate for Tesla. I've known her for years. I actually just uh, saw a little reminder on Facebook nine years ago, a picture of her Roadster. Um, and she used, she used to rare. live in Loomis. She, oh, I mean, she used to live in Loomis, and now she lives up in Washington. Uh, but she's very enthusiastic, and she's one of the, the first people that really created the Tesla referral program. So I don't know how many hundreds of people have bought Teslas because of Bonnie. So um, when I was in the market for a new car, going back uh, like a year and a half ago, because I, I had this beautiful old Audi uh, 2009, it, but it was just old and need to be replaced. So I've been looking at cars probably since 2017. <laughs> wow. um, so I got, a, I got a referral from Bonnie to go look at a Tesla. And so I went out to Roseville where they have the Tesla dealer Rockland. And I drove a Model S and I drove a Model X. And I really expected to like the Model X because I wanted an SUV. Um, but I got in and I drove it and I just thought it was too big. It had this kind of big bubbly um, uh, uh, thing over the top with a big sunroof. And I didn't like the doors that open on the side. I just thought I, I got in the car, just didn't like it. I really expected to love it and I didn't like it. Um, and so I drove the Model S and, you know, it's a great car. It's a beautiful car. Uh, and the technology is fantastic it's got this gigantic screen in the middle it's got cameras all the way around so you can see at any time while you're driving if there's somebody um uh, like way in your blind spot i mean you could totally see way in the back camera you can see everything 
it's the screen is huge. It's beautiful. Um, I tried the, um, I didn't drive it that far. I didn't try the autopilot, but, um, I did try the automatic lane changing. And the first time it happened, uh, I don't, I'm guessing you've probably driven one, but, uh, when you turn on the turn signal, you pull it down, like you're going to make a right turn or, or, or change lane, sorry, to change lanes to the right lane. And before you can even think about it, the car goes. And all of a sudden you're, you're moving into the next lane. And the first time I did it, it scared me. So I pulled the car back. I thought, wait, that's way too fast. I can't even glance over my shoulder for a second or look in my mirror. <laughs> I have to just, you yes. know, I let car the car just go. Goes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the car just goes. And so and then I calmed down and I did it again. And I just let it go. And I could not believe that technology, how it was just able, because the car knows it doesn't need to wait for me to look. It knows there's a spot there and it can get in there. And it's fantastic. And that technology is so great. But what came down to me with the car is when you think about it practically, um, by the time you get the decent-sized battery and you get the leather seats and you get the, uh, you know, cause you, you're not going to buy a Tesla and cheap out on that stuff, right? No. <laughs> by the time you do that, you're looking at almost $100,000. Right. And then, um, then with the power in California is expensive, <laughs> right? Um, so plugging in your car at home isn't necessarily going to save you money because our power with PG&E is some of the most expensive power in the country. Good point. So if you're really going to take it to the next level, you got to get solar. And then that's another $30,000 to install the solar in your house, right? Because I don't want to lease it. I would want to buy the solar. And I thought, well, geez, by the time I, I could buy two cars. Um, with that money. And then after we went through, frankly, after we went through the power outages uh, this year in Sacramento, our power was out three times and one time it was out for four days. What, you know, what are we going to do if we have an electric car? That's right. <laughs> so no, you're laughing, that, but I agree kinda, with you. Yeah. You're making perfect sense to me. <laughs> So that's what really, and I mean, and I think Bonnie would have loved for me to buy a Tesla <laughs> and I would have loved to buy a Tesla. And I wanted, you know, the part of the experience about having a Tesla is being a Tesla owner and being able to connect with that community. It's a fantastic community. Um, but I just can't, I can't imagine <laughs> uh, spending all of that money and upgrading to solar. And then you got to get a power wall. And I just thought, you know, I could buy two cars. And I figured also maybe by the time, I, this next car, my next car is probably going to be totally different. Maybe I won't even own a car. Maybe I'll lease the car, um, and use it when I need it. Maybe the car will just show up right? when I need yeah. it. I'll pay for a subscription. I figured this car, I kept my other car for 10 years. And so this car seems good enough to last that long. Hyundai's got a great warranty. And I figure that in 10 years, something else is going to be better even than that Tesla. I, you know, I think you're right. And what is, you know, price of the oil right now is like 30 bucks a barrel or something yeah i was going to say if if you were doing up to six figures you could uh and maybe more now considering the the cost of the energy you could have a fleet of uh santa fe's <laughs> in, in, at your yeah. house for the cost of yeah. one tesla not to compare you yeah. know apples to apples apples but um yeah that's the price point is a little is is discouraging it's still an elitist i think it's still an elitist car and um and uh, I think that was one of Mr. Musk's, um, uh, he didn't have quite yeah. the vision that he thought to make it a, a, a populist car because it hasn't quite. Well, he's got the three. I mean, it's he's cheaper. got the three. It's cheaper, yeah. but it's not cheap. <laughs> uh, yeah. But the other one the that three you. is also not cheap and it looks like a Toyota Corolla. It does. Right? I mean, <laughs> it does. It very much does. 
Uh, and I s- did, I, you know, at the time I didn't look at the three because it, it was not really available to buy, but I saw some and I, I didn't like the, uh, now actually the electronics wise, I didn't like the screen because it like, they just kind of plugged it in the, the top of the dash and it looked like somebody stuck an iPad in there. And so that was, I, I definitely didn't want that one either. No. A couple of things to follow up with what you were discussing is that you may have seen and you may not have heard about the new uh, downtown Sacramento, um, where, where, where the test, you know, where the test capital of the world for all these new alternative uh, driving situations. And uh, Tesla is now going to be part of a company called 360, where you pay a flat $250 a month. And you can use in the in the grid of downtown Sacramento. You can take a, any of the fleet of Teslas that they're going to have for uh, a maximum of four rides per day inside the grid of Sacramento, and you just pay a flat fee per month. So we're the, we're the national guinea pig for this new Tesla uh, drive on demand um, service. It's just starting up. So I think Bruce and I are going to have to investigate that and perhaps you and mark uh will as well um it's just whether it'll fly or not i don't know but it sure sounds interesting it sure sounds interesting and i really think that that's the way cars are going to go in the future i went to a conference uh, it was actually a drone conference uh an unmanned vehicles conference a couple years ago and the guy who was a keynote speaker got up there and he said you know your kids are not going to own a car he's like just you know that's the way the market's going so if you think about it, it's a kid who's born today is not going to own a car. That's not that far away, right? Um, that's right. So I really think that that's where the market's going. And uh, Americans are not going to want to give up their cars per se. I think it's going to take a while to transition. But I think more and more people are going to be using these alternative models. You know, there, there's I, I, there, I know there's companies that are having, uh, they're selling packages where you get the the car and the insurance and everything, and you just pay by the month. And then when you're done, you just return it. Yes. So I think there's a lot of, a, a lot of ways that this is going to happen. And with autonomous driving, maybe it's going to be even less, you know, even less um, obvious to own a car or have a reason to own a car. This may sound odd, but c- would it be okay to ask um, with you and Mark, number one, where you live and number two, your ages, because I think the autonomous driving, um, as you mentioned, whether it's children or grandchildren will, will be the future is now pretty much, but how do, how do you guys feel, uh, as experts, um, would you feel comfortable, um, as I'm just going to say mature adults, because I really don't know your ages, um, with, with, an, with, with an autonomous vehicle. Well, um, well, we're in the suburbs, right? So we're in El Dorado Hills. Um, and I think that that's where it gets a little complicated because even services like Uber, it's only been in the last maybe two years where there's enough Ubers in our area where we can use them effectively. Yes. Um, it used to be we actually knew both Uber drivers in the area. Yes. <laughs> one guy was in Folsom and one guy was in our neighborhood. Um, but, you know, as it's expanded now, more and more Uber and Lyft drivers are available in this area, probably more Lyft drivers now than Uber drivers. Yes. Uh, so it, that, you know, living in the suburbs really has a different perspective. If we were in downtown Sacramento, I don't know, even know that we have two cars. We might just have one, right? Yes, yes. And I think that really changes your perspective. But, you know, with autonomous driving, um, you know, there's, I, I think the comfortableness, the, the, our, our comfort with the technology uh, because we're techies, right? And I think we trust computers maybe more than other people do. <laughs> um, and I would be totally comfortable with it. I think it's. I think 
you know, what I worry about are the other drivers, right? You know, if yes. everyone's not in an autonomous car, how does that really work? <laughs> um, so, it, uh, but I would be, I would be comfortable with it. You know, I'm, I'm comfortable with the technology and I'm hoping for the day that the Tesla comes and picks me up at my house. <laughs> you're so you're the person to, that won't even, ex- sorry, you're the person who won't even accept the, the automatic lane change. <laughs> now, now you say you want the computer to run the car. <laughs> That's hilarious. Right. Oh, well, it's crazy, isn't it? But it's, you know, and then that's, I think, another thing about the, the Hyundai and, and, and going through the technology features, because there's already a lot of features in these cars, right? Yes. Um, the Hyundai Smart, I, I think it's called Smart Cruise Control. Fantastic. Uh, where you basically, yeah, you, you uh, set the, the cruise control and then you let the car kind of drive itself when you're on the freeway. And uh, it was. It took me a while to trust that technology, and because we had it in, in Mark's uh, Ford Escape too, and he uses it all the time. He uses it just to drive around town, and for him, it's because he wants to make sure he's not speeding. But he uses it even on the streets at 25 miles an hour. Um, so when I drove his car a few times, it took me a long time to trust that technology that the car would actually stop. And the first time, if you turn on the automatic cruise control. And then you are in a big traffic jam, and everybody comes to a halt. <laughs> it's scary. It's a little <laughs> scary. Yes. Stop. Yeah, the car does start stop. The car starts stopping later than you would as the driver, right? Yes. But it still stops. <laughs> yes. And it takes a while to adjust to that, but once you adjust to it, it's so great. And I had to, I had to stop using it when I drove his car because I didn't have it in my own car. And I was worried that I would expect my Audi to stop when the cruise control was on. I think um, so. Is all this uh, stuff in the car, this this technology, is it, is it distracting or is it less distracting because it's taking care of things for you? I think it's less distracting because it takes care of things for you. I just think you always have to understand that even these features are fantastic and. They work really well, and obviously a car company is going to test these really, really well because they want to make sure everyone's safe, but you can't trust it. Not today. It's not completely autonomous. You have to pay attention, and you have to be ready at all times to grab that wheel and take control, and my Hyundai will tell me if I'm driving in the, uh, if I've got my cruise control hands off the wheel, it'll start beeping at me and say, put your hands back on the wheel. I was actually going to put that in the video, <laughs> yes. but um, Mark thought it was a bad idea. <laughs> Maybe I, you know, I don't want to encourage people to drive without their hands on the wheel. Um, but you really, the technology is great, but you have to always be uh, at attention because you don't know what is going to happen. You don't know what the other drivers are going to do. Your car doesn't know what the other drivers are doing. You really have to watch it. So even though I can let that car stop, in traffic all the way to a dead stop and then i you know can let it go by just tapping on the on the gas when it's ready i need to to be paying attention and i still need to be able to take control so it is less distracting i think in the sense is that you're not going to make silly mistakes but you can't let that be an excuse to you know be listening to a really intense podcast or reading a book a video. <laughs> Reading a book yeah. or Netflixing. texting. I mean, you got to. You still got to be careful, and uh, sure. you, know, you still have to be in control. You're in control of a pretty powerful machine. That's right. Well, the other thing that comes to mind is whether. Well, Bruce and I have driven to a lot of events together. Uh, a friend and I walk to coffee every Wednesday, and we see the driving habits of people who 
probably shouldn't be driving or whether it's with my wife or any other friends. One thing I've noticed on the freeway with increasing regularity is the number of people who think that they should be right on your rear end, so to speak, on tailgating. tailgating. Um, And with the feature that you're discussing, I think you can adjust it, what, three or four different lengths. So let's just say you have it at 80 feet. Let's say I'm guessing that's one of the settings. And you have it at 80 feet, which is perfectly safe. But there's someone who thinks that that space between you and the car in front of you is wide open territory and that you ought to be closing down on them. And they're angry because you're being safe. It doesn't make any sense to me, but it just seems to be happening more and more with, at least in my driving experiences. Is that the same for you? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you can change the settings. There's four different settings in the cruise control. And so you can change that. And so normally when I'm driving around town, I have it, there's, there's four bars. I usually have it on three bars, which gives me like a nice stopping distance in front of me. And I feel a lot more comfortable that way. So if I'm driving around town, I have it on that. But when I was driving in Los Angeles and on, on five and 99 on the way to Los Angeles, I had to turn it down to one because otherwise somebody was always cutting in front of me in traffic. Yes. And it's irritating (laughs) to (laughs) say the least. Yes. (laughs) So I I wasn't super comfortable with the distance, honestly, but, um, I got used to it and I just decided it was going to be a lot more effective (laughs) if I had it on one bar instead of three bars because those cars snake right in front of you. That's right. Well, Valerie, uh, we want to thank you. Uh, we could talk all day because obviously you have great expertise in this area and we want to encourage our listeners to visit, uh, app app my my home home.com where uh valerie and koviak and mark your husband's name is mark palone mark palone thank you husband and wife team they do great things um it's going to be a, a it's already a very popular site but it's going to be more popular because we're we're coming into all these new things in the automotive world uh that you guys are experts in so we want to thank you for um being our guest today and please visit again uh appmyhome.com and please also visit theweeklydriver.com uh thank you valerie for for being our guest today we really appreciate it yeah thank you so much it's been a lot of fun okay talk to you you. soon bye-bye now